there's a line. There's stuff that happens in professional sports as a workplace that if it happened in your workplace, you wouldn't know how to react at all. HR would immediately get called in. Like things would go completely differently. Not, I'm not talking about what Travis Kelsey did. I'm just talking about the level of uh, conversation, voice raising, back and mm -hmm. forth, the language, the tone, like just some of the interactions that happen in competitive sports. I, I know it on an amateur level, like right at a college amateur level, I could only imagine at the professional level when jobs, money, everything is on the line, every snap, every play. Now you're in the Super Bowl. So there's right, right. I, though if, when if, you when you don't like the coffee if, in the break machine, yeah, go to your boss, right? Make physical contact with him <laughs> make, and right. test about. See what so happens. that's that's the so that is the line, the physical contact part. Because what I was gonna say is if Travis Kelsey went right up next to Andy Reid, yells at him, does all, all that, but never physically bumps him, like physically bumps into him to start said interaction. This goes a whole different way. We've seen players go right up to their coach and yell, and coaches yell right back. We've seen that before. The boundary, as we all know, is physical contact. feels like it's been a long time also putting out two episodes this week so one was recorded our award show and this episode they're gonna go out in the same week life as you know as a father gets busy and just uh timelines i shift them so stuff will come out this week dual episodes sp and ross's untitled college football podcast uh how do your super bowl mondays feel Everyone, I think we can all agree, they feel just slow, full, bloated, hungover, tired, whatever. I feel like it's kind of universally a not productive day or just a lazy drag through the day type of day as everyone tends to uh, go all out or at least eat a bunch of stuff. That's the big thing for me. Just the amount I'm willing to consume of things that I normally wouldn't in high volume just because it's Super Bowl, that's really the killer for me. Yeah, and of course, we have the added reverie of Mighty Drive. So even yes. the captainess of, do I even watch this game? Or do I <laughs> go to a parade yesterday? I had to go through that decision tree. Yeah. Yeah, the unique experience of New Orleans living. Um, having been to Mardi Gras way back in 2010, 11, 11, 2011. Um, yeah, I just, that, I remember going very shortly after the Super Bowl, and it was in between, you know, after Super Bowl. Saints had won two years before then, but you would not have known that when I arrived in 2011. You could have been convinced that they had won the most recent Super Bowl based on how they were still celebrating and partying. And that's not a joke. I'm dead serious. You were down there. You know this. 
Um, you got down there probably what seven, like four or five years after they won the Super Bowl, and still probably couldn't tell that it was four or five years removed because that's just New Orleans. Yeah, it was less than that. It was oh nine. I moved in eleven, so two or three years. Yeah, two. So it was about the time I went. Yeah, so around the same time, and yeah, that's way too close to the actual year where they won it. I would say it was a solid five year window from two thousand nine. Where if you like just touched down in New Orleans, you would have thought that the week prior the Saints just won the Super Bowl because they were still partying like and singing and parade Saints parades and singing Saints was gonna win the Super Bowl, the Yin Yang Twins, all of it, and um, it was awesome. So yeah, Mardi Gras this week you're down there. Super Bowl in New Orleans next year. Super hyped about that. We were just talking before the mics went on. Might have to make that trip because Vegas, to go from Vegas to New Orleans, I feel like those are the two cities that you don't even need Super Bowls to just feel like it's a party and all the stars are here or a bunch of people are out drinking a party and just Vegas and New Orleans don't need an excuse for parties. So that's two really wild decisions for the NFL. I'm surprised there were no serious, crazy uh, scandals this week for for ball. I know other than a player was attacked by a coyote. That was the thing that was reported early yeah, on in the week. <laughs> the streaker. There was streakers on the field, but that's kind of run of run of the mill Standard, for a big yes. game. You know, that wasn't like that didn't have a tinge of Vegas to it or anything. Um my biggest thing was just like with the gambling stuff, like there's some technicalities about these guys being in or around sports books uh, or on the premises where sports books exist, but like the hotels and all the things where these activations are, are adjacent to gambling and sports book related things. So I just felt like there could have been a lot of, and maybe there will be, I don't know, fallout at the end, but I just felt like there could have been a lot of inadvertent oops that happened type of scenarios but uh, it went off pretty much without a hitch and i uh, got to give it up to i guess the nfl of vegas the, the 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 city itself the mafia the, the mafia yeah to, to to the mob that allowed everything to go on smoothly to taylor swift and her mafia for um you know just for their participation in the, the proceedings uh it was it was good um it was an entertaining game i guess we're gonna start with just super bowl reactions since we are here super bowl monday yes we're a college football show but everyone talks about super bowl no matter what the like podcast they're, they're gonna come in and talk super bowl so we're gonna get to super bowl football of course still in our world and then we'll talk college football we're gonna talk about the big 10 sec don't call it a merger not a merger um We'll talk about that, but let's start Super Bowl reactions because we were talking a little bit. Just started talking about, I think, the lesser of the two stories. We'll get to the Michael Jordan of it all. But the lesser of the two stories, I, I was just talking San Fran because I think there's more to talk about, actually, in terms of interest with the San Fran element of it all. So let's just go broad general takeaways. What were your takeaways from the Super Bowl yesterday? And then, you know, let's kind of, I, I want to talk San Fran after that, and then we'll get to Mahomes. But what was your just general takeaway from the game? 
had some football and then some football adjacent reactions. That first, I'm sure you have thoughts on, are I cannot imagine any player, typically a black player, behaving the way Travis Kelsey did yesterday <laughs> and receive very minimal backlash and have to now hear all of the he's a Hall of Famer talking to a Hall of Fame coach and even moment championship blah 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 like I thought when I saw it I'm like this is this is unacceptable it's a bad it's a really really bad <laughs> bad look you can't you it's like can't, did that just happen you can't knock your coach over <laughs> and your elderly coach at that and I elderly but he's he's in what his 60s He's also a large man, so to to apply the force to really like move Andy Reid, obviously Kelsey was heated. I get heated on a run, but heated because he wants to be leave me in the block. Like, don't just I don't want to come out. Totally get it, but there's obviously a line. Any I, I haven't heard anyone defend Travis. I mean, other than. I mean, I'm sure some people. Oh, I've heard it. I I should say, like, yes, I'm sure some people are, but I haven't heard anyone who's who has played the game, who I respect, or anyone really within their right mind who hasn't looked at that and been like, "Yeah, you can't do that." Just like there, we could talk about the competitiveness, the Hall of Fame ness of it, the heated battlefield that is that workplace. How there's stuff. I was definitely ESPN talking about this morning. I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure they have people that are going to come to the defense of that just because that's what we do now, right? But I, I think just like that, there is, there's a line. There's stuff that happens in professional sports as a workplace that if it happened in your workplace, you wouldn't know how to react at all. HR would immediately get called in. Like things would go completely differently. Not, I'm not talking about what Travis Kelsey did. I'm just talking about the level of uh, conversation, voice raising, back and mm-hmm. forth, the language, the talk, like just some of the interactions that happen in competitive sports. I, I, I know it on an amateur level, like right at a college amateur level. I could only imagine at the professional level when jobs, money, everything is on the line, every snap, every play. Now you're in the Super Bowl. So there's right, right. I, though if, when, if, you, when you you like the coffee in the break machine, yeah. go to your boss, right? Make physical contact with him, <laughs> make and right. about. See what so happens. that's that's the so that is the line, the physical contact part. Because what I was gonna say is, if Travis Kelsey went right up next to Andy Reid, yells at him, does all, all that, but never physically bumps him, like physically bumps into him to start said interaction. This goes a whole different way. We've seen players go right up to their coach and yell, and coaches yell right back. We've seen that before. The boundary, as we all know, is physical contact. And here's why I always say physical contact, because when coaches do it is when I lose my mind the most, because you know players can't retaliate. And you'll see coaches snatch face mask and push. Like, coaches step over the line, usually in college and high school, mm-hmm. very rarely in the pros, unless mm-hmm. you're dumb Urban Meyer. But you will see them kind of push that boundary. And I hate it every time. It's because if a player were to do that, that's nope, done. Suspend, punish, immediately can't have it. Right? That's always the rule. So that that's the line. There's no physical contact. You could yell. Yelling might not be the best look. Uh, we could talk about how it looks. 
but the moment like you said the unacceptable or just like not nah, can't I, I can't do that one was the physical contact of it all and yeah how everyone more or less kind of just had to excuse it i'm talking about like from the team to certain people announcing to certain like there was a, this rush to excuse it and if they lose it's probably a different type of talking point they win it's framed differently uh it's, they, to be fair also not to be fair but what's also notable is you had a huge impact on the rest of the game after that right so there's definitely people who i'm sure were like he was making his point like get me involved in this game and then they did and then they they were doing better and then they won but it's still you it, the, it doesn't matter how right he was and even what happens no, afterwards he right. no no i mean about the point of getting yeah. the ball it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. how right that was it doesn't matter the what happens after like it doesn't matter what that action later then inspired for the people who i'm sure are making the argument like he fired up the team and he got everyone like whatever the other side of the argument is like right. that doesn't matter once you're talking about the act of it being physical contact and like not just because we're not going to have the conversation of how hard is too hard. Did he really hit him? Love tap. So like, no, because we're not going to adjudicate the veracity and the force of contact. Physical contact is out. That's why it's, it's, just out. it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. just out. It's just a border. It's just, that's out. Once you cross that line player or coach, you're wrong. So yeah, he was hundred percent wrong there for sure. It also for me brings up, um, prior conversations about like Dennis Rodman leaving the middle of the playoff series, like how much leeway do you give superstar players in like what is a very stressful environment for sure. But like, I don't know if Andy Reid, because what I, what I would say is I would not have been surprised at all if if the stakes were different. Mm -hmm. You need to go to the locker room, fam. You're, you're done for the day. Yeah, and you're fine, and like you know, what I'm saying like that. That would be, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if that was. Andy Reid didn't look it's appropriate. Andy Reid did not look as heated about it as some other coaches would be. I got to tell you, Andy. I feel like part of how this all played out is based on the reaction of the person that it happened to, and Andy Reid more looked like surprised than he did mad. And I feel like that maybe says like what we need to know kind of about how this like the the what the chain of command really is. I'd be surprised too, fam. What are you doing? <laughs> he was yeah, he that kid's fan, he was literally like, what what is happening now? What is this? Like, so it was just a complete moment of stun. And I feel like he did not buck back. He did not get angry. Um, I I don't know. Like that gets into the deep psychology. It you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of how Steve Kerr just lets Draymond Green do whatever the hell he wants. And then after Draymond Green does the things he does, Steve Kerr's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. As if he's not the one that just continues enables him to let him do whatever he wants. And then kind of looks as helpless as everyone else for like how to how is Draymond Green why does he continue to do these things? It's yeah, like, he like no I, control I don't influence. know. Like you got me. Like you you guys need to help me figure this one out. Um and it just reminded me of that because 
my thing, like, I believe Steve Kerr believes about Draymond Green is I have to let him just be 100% him, which means the things that he does that are not basketball related on the court, all that other BS that he does. I think he believes that if you take that part away from Draymond Green, you've essentially stripped him of what makes him a professional basketball player because skill-wise, he's not elite enough at any one other thing. I mean, defensively, maybe you could say. But just like he's undersized, he's not as explosive, he's not as athletic, he's not a great shooter, he can't dribble but so well, he's great court vision. But this is, yeah, all that to say, I feel like he's just like, I have to enable it, all of it, even the bad. And I feel like Andy Reid, in general, as a coach, this isn't just the Travis Kelsey thing. And now I'm doing some psychoanalyzing of Andy Reid that also includes his children and the things that his kids have been through. I think he kind of just, his power and maybe also weakness is letting people be themselves and not wanting to be that authoritative person too much because so many other coaches like, and this is not to directly compare, but okay. You're not doing that to Bill Belichick. I just feel like I don't care who Travis Kelsey is. Like the equivalent of that, like Gronk or like Brady would yell at him. I don't think he'd ever physically uh, hit him or, or, or make contact. I don't think Randy Moss would ever make contact. I don't think any player would ever, you see players yell at Tomlin. I don't think anyone's ever going to physically push Mike Tomlin or shove into Mike. Like I just, there's certain coaches that is like, that's not happening. It's not happening because their players are not going to feel a level of comfort where they could do that. Travis Kelsey felt a level of comfort where he's like, I've this, I run this. This is my, I run this shit. This is my team as much as it is yours, maybe more so because I'm out there. So I feel like that is just where the mind state of those two people are. But all that said, you physical contact, that's where I draw the line, can't have it. So yeah, dead wrong. And excused because of who he is, yeah. Um, excused partly because they won, yes. Because if they lose, we are definitely talking about that a lot more and a lot differently. We're talking about it as Andy Reid lost control, the team lost their heads, uh, you know, you got Chris Chris Jones turned on his teammate when Marvez Valdez scaling is running backwards for absolutely no reason. Like you, it it, it just all gets framed differently when you not lose. to mention the Kadarius story not even there. Yeah, healthy scratch Kadarius. Like it's just, but it all gets framed differently when you lose. So I want to talk about. So that's the what else? Let's go non football or football adjacent before we get to the to the football because. I feel like the football stuff is going to be juicier, but that took longer than I thought it would. But that's, yeah, I mean, it was also wild. The player also got hurt towards Achilles just running on the field. Never seen that before. Yeah. Trent yeah. Trent yeah. on that, like, and not just a player, but like a stud for that team and that defense, just on the most freakish of just running on the field. Right. So just like some, just a couple of like, well, I've never seen that before things happen. And, and that was one of them. Yeah, it's a reminder, too, that no matter how well you take care of your body, just football takes a toll. Yeah. 
just the, the ongoing grind, the physical exertion, and pounding the football takes a toll. And everybody, every everyone's body has a breaking point. Yeah, it's just so many, so many snaps. If it wasn't that play, that yeah, that begs the question. If it wasn't that play, would it be another that play? And there's so much sports science to study it. But I do think what we should all what what can kind of be like the universal agreement point is what you just said, which is there's only so many for football at a professional level. There's so many snaps that a human mm-hmm. body can take before something inevitably gives. Um, and yeah, that was just in the most freakish of ways. The only other non-football thing that I could think of from last night that I would spend an abundance of time talking about is Usher, but we could save it for after we actually talk some football. Yeah, we can talk about Usher. We can also talk about um, how black will Roger Goodell go because we in New Orleans, baby, we got options. Yeah, there's so many options. So we'll talk after after we go Super Bowl. Let's talk Usher and then the New Orleans options. We we saw what they we did. Doing out, the, we do we the saw what they did. High boys. That's Bowl. what I was saying. We saw we saw what they did in Cali with basically a, a O to G funk. Are we just gonna do a New Orleans bounce cash money no limit, and and then do some of the traditional your jazz. Yeah, like our, we could we could blend it all. Like it all goes. So we could we could we could we could make it happen. Uh I think Adele has to lean into it at this point. And it's Jay-Z, which I also want to talk about how Jay-Z, it's the one place where I'm probably most critical of him. He is my favorite artist, uh, certainly favorite rapper, maybe you know, top top three artists of all time. Uh, but where I certainly critical of him is his initial kind of facing of how he was entering the NFL space or what his initial plan was back when oh, yeah, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. was kind of the focal point and, and it was um, about police brutality and speaking openly about those things. Now, behind the scenes, the NFL has donated a lot of money to more organizations that do good than I think a lot of people think and that they get credit for. But and they get that's what I score because that's also part of their budget. For sure. I mean, every league. And I mean, at that, this, so it's, it's just, and they make more than the NBA. Um, but the NBA is thought of as like the more progressive league, yet dollar for dollar than not the NFL is, just in terms of where the money uh, goes versus uh, what the perception is. But I, I just think it's like was... true percentage and not just the raw numbers, percentage of overall revenue. Percent percentage wise, when I say dollar for dollar, I, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't mean um, physical dollar, because yes, that's why like NFL has more. But if you're talking about yeah, percentage of the league's revenue, the NFL is donating more to quote unquote black or social justice, like what 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 the players coalition who are you know the people for the NFL's sake who are in charge of deciding where that money goes and which charities and which organizations they're going to donate to um, has outspent the NBA. They've outspent MLB. They've outspent every league. So forward facing, we could have a conversation. And does that, am I saying they're super progressive and like they've solved the, no, I'm just saying. No, I would say that they're one of the, one of the least progressive. I'm, but I, well, what, we have. 
So when we say that, and I'm saying that from a public forward facing, and that mm. still may be true, but I just, I guess that more needs to be put in context with other leagues who we will call more progressive, but don't financially are not, or do not spend like it. So the, and this is not like, it's not the, the forum to do it, but it'd be like NBA. We believe you to be more progressive, but financially you're not. Like and so that you know that those are separate conversation. Um, yeah, I mean it depends on your what you value as far as progressivism. But progressivism right. about values, then yeah, I would say because I think that it is. Then I think people are writing Chris the NFL. Anybody can write a check. And I don't think that in any way absolves the NFL from all they do in many ways to to hinder um, what they could do in our society from a domestic yeah. violence standpoint from a racial equity standpoint you know we're still trying to this is on my hiring black coaches they're playing catch up they are yeah <laughs> they're, they're playing catch up and we know this um and there's different like you said there's different elements that you could look at to speak to your level of progressive and equity and those types of things um and i no league is perfect so we could look at all leagues and be like here's where this league is better here's where this league is worse I do find mm -hmm. it I, I hone in on the financial side of this because a large part of especially from 2018 or you know Colin Kaepernick, especially in the 2020 when the 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 summer and that year of 2020 when huge companies and organizations and all these people pledged a bunch of money to different organizations and causes and then like no one actually gave any of the money from that like there were a lot of people who got in jay-z one of them to help from a financial standpoint because these are huge conglomerates especially the nfl the biggest in the, the damn country to make sure that like because i guess jay-z wasn't getting in to make sure even though he might have said some of these things about like colin kaepernick and brian flores and these like he wasn't getting in to help there be more black coaches he actually specifically said i'm not doing this to help colin kaepernick get a job because it's bigger than that this is not about getting colin kaepernick a job this like this was ever about one guy getting a job is bigger than that he, he did say that so far <laughs> Jay-Z has mostly just been in charge of the halftime show as it comes to the NFL. Like, and I do feel like, you know, that being, that's great. It's awesome. Love it. Great halftime shows. But um, it is kind of speaking to what we're talking about, which is it it could have been more about like making sure there are more black executives and, and team presidents. Mm -hmm. And, but that I mean, that gets into a discussion of like a private enterprise doesn't have to do any of that. Like they don't have to. They like there are people whose job it is, or who have made it a mission to put pressure to make sure that they do. And one of the owners, Rooney, Wayne, the, the Rooney family, back in the day, was the one of the few people because all the other owners were like, yeah, we don't want to do this. He was one of the people that had to be like, y'all, can we? Can we just consider some candidates that aren't related to us or our best friends? Like, can we just consider some of these other people that don't look like us, right? He had to force that on them. And so now we just have the Rooney rule, which again, is just this faux thing where they're just going to bring in 
a, a candidate who they're not serious about. Going to bring in just, Jim Caldwell so every someone, cycle. To someone, <laughs> someone call it Vance Joseph. We got to hit this number, please. Um, so, like, that even had to be forced on them because, they're, yeah, they're, they're a private enterprise and they don't have to do any of this. So that's the part of it that sucks. Um, and the only way you put pressure on them to make those changes is by having the powerful people get either to ownership or with these owners or part of ownership groups and start to institute change from the inside. Or you make sure that the money that you are generating is going to things that are more important than the NFL, right? That's the other side of like the why the financial thing to me is more important because like, do I want more black coaches and executives in the NFL? Yes, but I would rather there be more black doctors and teachers. Like I'd rather there be more black other things outside the NFL and that the NFL gives money just to general other causes but still like has a hiring practice problem. Like I can't really fix the hiring practice problem of the NFL, but I can, we can help impact other stuff. So see, I think, I think that's, I think that's why I disagree. I think these things the NFL has the most control over. I think the NFL has the least control over educational equity and oh, they definitely do. housing security. Right. You can't fix that. No check can fix that. But no. you can fix retiring black coaches. That's one thing that's in your power to do. But that's Cleaning up your own house. Right. But that gets back to the like you can't make someone do something they don't want to do. So that's partly why I don't like there's no conversation for me to have there because you're talking to and I'm not trying to make all these owners just out to be bad people. But it's just their track records are speaking. Their track records are speaking for themselves with their hiring practices. Is what well, I said. Racism doesn't require good and bad people. Racism right. can operate without interruption, right. no matter who's in charge. Right. So I just think like you, we can't make them hire. Like the best way for it to happen, in this. Well, I mean, not the best way, but you see, okay, they're like. Let's try giving people draft capital for hiring minority candidates, which sounds gross, but there are teams that are taking advantage of 49ers, top of that list. There are teams that are taking advantage of that. And I mean, like, let's, I, I will ask you that question. Like, what are your thoughts on teams are rewarded draft capital, same as com compensatory draft picks for losing free agents? Teams get compensatory draft capital and picks for hiring uh, or for promoting or if an, a minority candidate that they hired or was on their staff is hired away to a similar or a higher job, the team is essentially rewarded for employing and giving that person the opportunity to get hired away. They're incentivizing yeah. it that way. So what what are your thoughts on that as a hiring practice? Yeah, I think here's here's the challenge. So policy by definition is not out to change hearts and minds. Policy is out to change practices. Right. And so I think some of the root cause here is just intention and what you value. And there's nothing anyone can necessarily do about that besides changing the folks who are making these decisions. What we haven't talked about yet is there is an imbalance of power in the NFL such that 
Roger Goodell works for the owners, not the other way around. Right. So he actually has limited power in this as well. Yeah. But I don't fully fault him either. No, um, I think he does the best he can considering <laughs> who his bosses are to that point. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he has to work within the confines <laughs> of his of making the owners happy while also trying to make sure the players are happy, which is you know, what all the money is for for him, right? That's what the money's for for Goodell. Yep. Um so yeah, I think trying things is a good thing to figure out how to influence some of the practices in these organizations. Mm-hmm. But here's for me the bigger idea, which is this is a problem with solutions. And the NFL, with all their resources, with all of their might, having the entire world's ear for different times of the year, they're really invested in finding a solution for it. They could. Measures a belief that I had. Yeah. Now, you're not, I don't even disagree necessarily so much as I just look. I just look at it as we're trying to solve a problem that the NFL, like, how do you, you have to convince people who don't currently see not hiring more black and brown folks and women. Um, you have to convince them who don't currently see it's a problem, why it's a problem. And I like you said, trying stuff. So the draft pick stuff is trying stuff. I think it sucks, but the more success you have of, hiring the you know quote unquote minority because it's only in america that these people are minorities quote unquote minority candidate um that they the more success that they have similar to you know how this went over time with black quarterbacks because we're not that far removed from doug williams being like this anomaly this weird uh like this guy being given this weird opportunity right to to start uh, a, a Super Bowl, right? It was in the 80s, yeah. so it was not, not that long ago. Um, but I, I think the more, the, the proliferation of, like, the top 15 quarterbacks in the league, I feel like uh, I feel safe in saying, like, nine to ten of them are black. And that has never happened before. They just haven't been, the numbers haven't been such to where that's been able, we've been able to say that. In, in any past year and I think right or wrong that has stemmed from just the, the people no longer being able to deny what was so obvious which is yet yeah, we've this has just been like we've restricted ourselves from some of the best people to ever play this position because of racism right there was no they did they just had to wake up and have that anomaly of just like huh right and it was as recent as lamar jackson being told maybe you should play receiver kid right it was as recently as that so i i think it would take or it might take which is why i was really rooting for and it's it's not like this award is the nlb all but i really thought D'Amico ryan should have won coach of the year and i thought it would have really helped if he won coach of the year but i think the success of a D'Amico ryan's on a college level, the success of you know Shamar Moore going forward to Michigan, the success when these people when these coaches get these opportunities, like it sucks because it shouldn't be you are 
the the symbol for the whole race so you're carrying the torch for all black coaches but just we've said this that's how it is it's how it is for quarterbacks that's how it is for coaches that's i think what it's going to take right Deion sanders having the success that he has and building off that leading to putting more people like him in position at other places that then it's the gonna have to be that type of domino effect right we'll talk about i want to talk about deshaun uh, foster getting the head coaching job at at yeah. ucla because of all the dominoes that fell there with bill o'brien and OC, like ohio state i want to talk that but I think that's what it takes and it's, it shouldn't take that. It shouldn't like, we should be allowed to fail at the same rate. Everyone should be given the same chance, but we know that's not how it is. We know um, that D'Amico Ryans has two to three years to knock it out of the box that are going to move on from them. Right. We know um, like Sharon Moore has to be good right away or they will be looking to move on to Michigan or uh, Matt uh, um, strong, um, uh, Charlie strong, back when he was a tech just these certain coaches you just know you have to knock it out of the box because that is unfortunately the only thing that could convince some of these owners like hey you know what the the young 30 something year old former running back or former d lineman or whatever like we should hire more of those because it's working and it's a copycat league so if it works one place you know the dominoes will fall so maybe that's what it takes yeah and that's I think we see some evidence of that, but that's also why I think this is fundamentally about beliefs and values. Because at the same time, black quarterbacks have been balling. Yeah. I don't care what kind of baggage Eric enemy has. If he was white, he'd be on his third head coaching job by now. We we have to talk about him separately because it's clear like people don't like him. And I, I I've done enough digging to find out that it doesn't that it's not about race. He, he, outside of, I guess, the Chiefs facility, no one likes him. I, I just, I don't know what that is. I don't know what he did. I don't know what his get down is. But I almost want to take Eric Bieniemy out of this conversation because it, it just, by all reports, is an unlikability. And yeah, but it's, I think that moves the goalpost though, because I, again. People didn't like Tom Coughlin. Like, there's, we, I can name coaches that people didn't like, but they got opportunities anyway. Oh, of course. So I think – so we can't just – and that's that's part of my frustration with all this is we say it's about X thing, offensive acumen, or it's about youth or some type of experience. And then when it's a black coach, it's up for consideration, it checks all those boxes, we move the goalposts again. So I don't – I'm skeptical that we can – perform our way into equity because if we were going to i think that would have happened already i think it might be happening i i like that's that's the only because that's my i guess that's my point about the black quarterbacks was that it the only thing that changed was more numbers it was the opportunity it was that was the only thing that changed and it changed maybe because the style of play evolved and what the quarterback position needed to be or entailed now it was more boxes it used to have maybe five or six boxes of what you had to be to be a quarterback i'm taking the racism out of this i'm trying to look at this as a not racist person. no i appreciate it there were five or six 
boxes that you had to check the quarterback position and the, the, the game of football evolved to now we need to put like eight, nine, 10 boxes that you now have to be able to check. And objectively speaking now, and now I'll play devil's advocate, even the bigots or even the racists who thought quarterbacks had to be six to white, tall, stand in the pocket for 50, 60 years, right? Let's just pretend I'm Bill Polian. After Bill Polian thought Lamar Jackson wasn't good enough to play quarterback and should play wide receiver, based off of only, I think, looking at him, because honestly, I wanted to shoot Bill Polian Bale and be like, he used to be good at his job. I don't think that he would watch film. I think that he just saw the super athletic guy running with the ball a lot didn't watch much else and was just like uh, that's, that's a, job, a that's a it was <laughs> at that point it wasn't at that point he was just an espn man who no but if, if you're an analyst that's your job if you're on TV, oh, but you know it, oh oh that's a different we watch film and we just you, we just you do this think you think people we watch you think, i was like that's a different conversation you think people who are analysts are always watching what they analyze i like the analysts are at least honest enough to be like yeah i haven't watched that um, but no, he neither here. No, I'm there. not saying that it's okay. I'm saying that I'm saying that it's not okay. No, that I'm, like, yeah, I'm not saying that it a is. Or isn't. Of but I just remember he saying him saying that, and I was being like, okay, so he just knows that this is a athletic black dude. Like I don't think he gave it any more thought than that, and was just like receiver. I don't think like I think he just immediately was just like put that guy at receiver. I think around that time is when it became clear and obvious because every team passed on him before the Ravens came back to get him. Not that every team needed a quarterback, but a bunch did and everyone passed. I think at that point it became clear and obvious, especially when he goes on to have success, right? There was questions about Cam Newton. Cam Newton wins MVP, goes to a Super Bowl. There are questions about Russell and his size and his style of play he succeeded there's questions about Dak he slipped to the fourth round there's all I just felt like all these we we saw you every black quarterback coming out had the same treatment that they always get despite being super awesome in college we're not sure if you're gonna be good at the next level but this guy who was only like kind of good in college but has a lot of tools we're pretty sure he's the next guy right there was like seven or eight drafts of that and all the black quarterbacks kind of had to prove once they got to the next level Deshaun Watson, even I, I know he was the number one overall pick, but people were like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it got to a point where it was like, okay, it's undeniable at this point. Like we can either be bigots and only draft the tall white guys, or we could win football games. And I think that it got to the point where that's what NFL teams like. We 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 can't like. We could keep doing it. The, the, and I'm going to tell you, the Giants are at risk of being the last ones, the last team to never, like, on purpose start a black quarterback is the Giants. They still think that you have to look like Eli Manning physically and in the face to be a quarterback. And they're probably going to move on from Daniel Jones, I guess. But I don't know. But they're gonna be the one they're gonna be the one franchise that's just like no quarterbacks look like this while every other team in the league is just like nah like and this isn't they don't all have to be black but they need to be athletic they need to be able to move and guess what a lot of those dudes happen to be black i know it it, it blows people's minds who the quarterback 
this is a whole racial kind of societal discussion, but like America loves football. No one really cares about the offensive linemen, so they're not going to connect there as much. Uh, you got a handful of tight ends, but really the last place that America was connecting, and you got your slot receivers, but the last place America was connecting with football was the quarterback because it was a white guy. It was Peyton Manning or it was Tom Brady or it was Eli or it was Ben Roethlisberger or it was Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And like, that's who the best quarterbacks of that era were. Now the best quarterbacks of this era are Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, throw Josh Allen in there. But we know how he, he plays like a whole bunch of quarterbacks were told that didn't look like Josh Allen. You can't play like that. Um, I'm put him at receiver. How about it's, that? It's, it's, CJ, it's CJ Stroud. It's no matter how bad he plays in the playoffs, it's still Dak Prescott. Um, quickly, CJ Stroud, by the way. Uh, but it's just, you know, it got to a point where we 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 have to just be like we can't let our bigotry ruin our franchise. And I think if that we have to get to that point with coaching. And maybe it takes another cycle of retread of some of these same people, or you hire from the same tree or looking for the same thing. And it's someone like a D'Amico Ryans or someone like a, you know Deshaun um, Foster in college or Moore, Sharon Moore in college. Like maybe it's some of these guys that it's it's nothing's changed. Black black quarterbacks were always nice. Black coaches have always been good, but it takes literally the point of like, are you about to lose money over this? Or are you about to you know are you about to lose over this? Or are you about to it, just look at American history. That's always what the breaking point is, right? Like, are you about to fall behind? Are you about to, like, lose economically? Or are you going to adapt with the times? So, I'm like, uh, I think the we'll answer see. to that is yes. I, I think we already know that. And I, there's, like, maybe some other mitigating factors that you can say are legitimate. But the reigning NFL MVP was a free agent this summer. And nobody wanted him. Well, was available for trade, and nobody wanted him. Okay, yeah, for sure. And nobody wanted to negotiate. And, and at the time, nobody wanted to, in part, why they didn't want to trade for him was because they did not want to negotiate uh, a new contract with him. Because that's and tell also me any like, other top five quarterback who that would have happened to. Yeah, it's every it's, time Kirk Cousins pump fakes like he might be like Kirk Cousins is still, is still being talked about now as who's going to sign him as if he didn't tear his Achilles as isn't 40 years old and Kirk Cousins. So we definitely we know like the double standards. It's always there. Um, but what I'm saying changed was the game, the 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 game of football changed in part because of some of these black quarterbacks in part because of some of these young, innovative coaches at the lower levels, lower high school and college levels. Like, in part, mm -hmm. the game changed because of them, and so it was undeniable at the quarterback position. And I'm thinking that we will get there on a coaching level. Like, that that might be the next evolution, because right now maybe, maybe the next evolution is someone in the NFL is D'Amico Ryans, right? A young former defensive player 
young enough to still connect to the team, a defensive mind. Now we're not doing the old coordinator, offensive coach, the quarterback's coach, because that room all looks a certain way. But what if the new mold now is we want a defensive mind, a guy younger, more formative playing, who can put a really good staff around him mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball, and he's the leader of the team and the decision maker, lets the other guys do their work. And like so maybe I you know, I, I'm I'm being optimistic with it being, yeah, nothing is going to nothing changed with the ability of black people to play quarterback. Right. But the game changed and then there was a proliferation of black quarterbacks. So nothing is gonna change with black people's ability or black coaches. Nothing's gonna change necessarily with their ability, but maybe what changes is what becomes more in demand is younger or defensive um you know from the defensive side of the ball or the different you know positions that aren't predominantly white or maybe from you know hiring from the college ranks is looked uh, at in a different light where now we don't just want the top three head coaches or the really hot offensive name but maybe a mm-hmm. defensive backs coach or you know i so that's my optimism optimistic look at it um I didn't think we would go that deep in it, but I'm glad. I mean, I'm, good conversation. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that we talked about this. Strayed far from the Super Bowl. My just top line notes to run through it quick. I mean, it's not. Look, Patrick Holmes. If I haven't said it on this program before, Patrick Holmes is the greatest football player that I've ever seen. He's the best quarterback of all time. Uh, this whole definitive. He will never catch Brady at seven. So what does he have to do to be in the conversation? I don't know why everyone is so definitive that he's not going to win seven Super Bowls. Like I just twenty eight per- personally, I I just I think that why are we so sure of that? So a couple things. One, yeah, not just his age, but um, we like to pretend like Tom Brady didn't go a whole ten years without winning a Super Bowl. In between, like that yeah. that whole part of his legacy gets forgotten because of how many he wins toward the tail end and then goes to Tampa Bay and wins another one. But we like to pretend that from 2004 to 2013 that a whole bunch of other people weren't winning Super Bowls. Like, we just pretend that didn't happen. Um, As I look around the NFL right now, who should feel really good about beating the Chiefs next year any year just like who should feel good about or better than patrick than a patrick mahomes led team because this year their defense was amazing and they did what they needed to do offensively they looked a lot like the 2001 patriots that first patriots team where it was like we'll just move the ball offensively um wisely not a lot of chunk plays We'll dink and dunk. Our quarterback's never going to be fooled to know where to go with the ball every time. And defensively, we'll we'll, we'll win the game. They've just won we'll two Super Bowls. Yeah, they just won two Super Bowls with their defense now, basically. Right? So last year and this year, I mean, more so this year. Um, but this was these were the rebuilding or down years as they you know got rid of Tyreek Hill, as they had to lose certain players. They rebuilt their offensive line through the draft. Their defense is mostly built through the draft. It's incredible. It's probably the best defense, maybe second best defense in the league this year. They're the third youngest team in the league. 
Andy Reid said, I'm not going anywhere. This whole forced retirement talk on him. He's like, why? This is really fun. I like winning Super Bowls every year, and I coach Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going anywhere. So he's coming back. Brett Veach, great GM. He's done a great job. Pay Chris Jones whatever he wants. I think he proved that last night. He don't even have no receivers, right? Patrick Mahomes has been doing this, no disrespect, which is kind of anybody this year. Like, go get Mike Evans. Go draft somebody good. Like, go get him an actual receiver. I don't see another team in the whole NFL that I would pencil in above the Chiefs as Super Bowl winners from now until, you know, we'll see what some of these young teams turn into. Because there's no one currently that I see that is a threat to them. So I don't see why he can't win more. Like, I'm dead serious. I don't. He has three. Yeah, he's been to five and six years or four and six years or whatever. Like they were an offsides away from the fifth, and he, he would threw a ball parallel to the ground, hit his receiver in the face mask in the Tampa Bay game. Like just, 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 just. Let's just consider what's ahead of him. I'm saying he could pass Tom Brady, and let's stop saying it like it's so definitive that he will never do that. And even if he doesn't, still better. I don't think that got to something he's better. I like, think it's really interesting how narratives form about players and about legacy. Like before, and this came up in talking about Lamar Jackson. So before Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl, like that was the thing. Like he never won the big one. Yep. I don't know that Peyton Manning changed necessarily. It seemed just one. And. Yeah, the year he won was the year he won was defensive led too. That 2006 playoff run with the Colts, he wasn't particularly good. Um, and nobody won the Broncos. It's kind of a oh, that that one doesn't even count. Like the best Peyton Manning, like you said, (laughs) the best Peyton Manning would lose before, like would lose in the playoffs, would go to New England and get beat, or even that Jets embarrassing loss, and then. The the best Peyton Manning to go to the Super Bowl lost to the Saints, right? We were talking about them earlier. That was the best, like, individual Colts Peyton Manning that made a Super Bowl. And then he threw the game losing interception. So, yeah, to your point, Peyton Manning, multiple-time MVP. That was the knock. Peyton Manning and Lamar Jackson's, interestingly enough, you could put their career parallel pretty similar in that, like you said, regular season, big numbers, big stats, multiple-time MVP, best player in the league conversation. Uh, and then for whatever reason, well, football's a team sport, so a number of reasons. And some of it being Peyton Manning had poor performances, Lamar Jackson's had poor performances, teams had, like, it's a whole number of things. But, yeah, um, I'm sure the talk about, and we, we didn't record after, but I'm sure people were trying to take the loss and use it against – Lamar Jackson, especially even more so when he wins the MVP. Like, that's not a regular season award. I'm sure people then talk about, you know, oh, but they lost and how he looked in the postseason. But, um, yeah, not to step on your point, but, yeah, Lamar and, yeah. And, and and Peyton, similar trajectory in terms of how their careers started. Right. And so I don't – I think Lamar Jackson's an incredible player. And I think if and when he wins a ring, I think he will win a ring at some point. We will have learned nothing new about him. Right. He just will have won a ring this time. 
he's the biggest threat to the Chiefs, as I see it. I would say, um, yeah, the the Bengals. I I like the Bengals have, have been the team that played the Chiefs the closest. My concern with them is they they gave all their money, like they're a cheap team. They they finally took a, a naming rights deal in their stadium, but that was basically just to pay Joe Burrow. They're not going to want to pay anybody else. I think all but like three or four of their starters are are free agents. So there's going to be a lot of cap casualties there. So I just the 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 Bengals window I think was not that it can't reopen later, but it's just like in terms of sustainability, the Ravens with Lamar and that front office and that organization and that defense, even losing you know some coordinators and coaches and stuff, right? Mike McDonald going to Seattle. Um, that's the and closest. This is his first year in this offense, and he won MVP again. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to so seeing that how was that was that was the closest thing that I that like, or the 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 biggest threat that I see. You know, especially an AFC, AFC team. Um, the NFC, I, I could you know, like when I look at the NFC, I kind of say the same thing I said the last two seasons, which is just until proven otherwise, the 49ers roster rise are just at this level where the rest of the NFC, y'all just have to get there, right? You just have to get up there first. And I know they didn't play well against Green Bay. Green Bay could be coming. Um, Detroit, I think it's over for them, but yeah, we'll see there. Um, but it's just hard for things to be sustainable, like sustaining runs in the NFL is hard. They're the first back-to-back champs to do it since the Patriots. And I just look at them and I'm just like, I don't, Here's what's sustainable. Patrick Mahomes. That's what's sustainable. Right. And that that will I look at that as the most sustainable thing in football as their division, new coach and the Raiders bringing in Harborough to the Chargers to get serious about stuff. Um, You know, the Broncos, we'll see what they're doing, but they brought in Sean Payton like the whole division is trying to do stuff to catch them. Uh, yeah, the Ravens were loaded this year, had the best record in football, couldn't beat them. What about um, the Bills? Couldn't beat a weak record. The Bills, they're, this is the end of this version of the Bills, right? They're going to have just as many cap casualties as the Bengals. So they're going to have to show that they can retool. And I don't think they've gonna, done a great job of tooling up during this window, opposite of Stefan Diggs, somebody else reliable to throw to. Uh, defensively, I feel like they they just did not hit on enough draft picks. So like I'm questionable there, and it's so for me it's the Chiefs like they have nailed draft picks even while I'm missing some of them right. But the ones that they nailed like you know the uh, McDuffie at corner, um, the, you know uh, Creed Humphrey and um, Joe Tony Joe Tooney who didn't even play yesterday that kind of mattered but. Like they they have just you know Carlotta's like they've they have nailed enough draft picks for the ones that they've missed. They've missed a lot on the offensive re- weapon category. But I just trust in their ability to retool and draft. You have the Andy Reid advantage, which is you know a play calling advantage over everyone, it seems. And then Patrick Holmes is the best quarterback and maybe greatest quarterback when it's all said and done of all time. And I just like Thanos, man. He's just he's inevitable. Like I, he really is, and I just I don't think it's there's anything that I would bet on being 
Like if I next year, right now, the favorites are the 49ers. And I'm laughing at that because while I get it, because that's what you do as an odds makers in Vegas. And that's what I'm saying. Like they should, their roster is just a tier above everyone else in that whole conference. But if I'm betting right now, give me Patrick Holmes. Like, what are we doing? What is everyone doing is what I've been saying, I guess, for three years. Like, why are you guys picking the other side of this guy? Like, I just don't get it. Just don't do it. Um, if he loses, then we'll we'll analyze why. But so far, unless his whole offensive line gets wiped out before the Super Bowl or he's won the game and then his defensive lineman goes off sides, so far, no one has figured out how to beat him. And they've just thrown their two weakest versions of the Chiefs and went back to back. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not even like it's a small sample size. Like they haven't proven that they can beat the Chiefs. Like they just haven't. No, no one has. Like, like, like the the Forty ers haven't slayed that dragon. The Ravens haven't. The Bills haven't. Um, like it just, I don't know. Like I, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles haven't. Um, I just, I don't know why anyone who's not Patrick Mahomes would be the favorite to, to win the Super Bowl. That's just, that's just me. I, I had my Chiefs ticket punched. For quite some time this season as Super Bowl champs mm -hmm. not that long ago even watching my Raiders beat them down and embarrass them on like Christmas so not that long ago I'm about but to even, say this that, this is this team did look terrible that's when I picked them that's when I picked them to win the Super Bowl because here's the thing everyone was focused on them and missed the big picture which is who's not flawed like who who's the team that y'all are riding with over the Chiefs and and the, you know, some people were Bills and some people were Ravens the Bills thing to me was like okay like how many times do you need to see them lose to the Chiefs that's what I thought about the Bills uh home field or not right the whole thing with Patrick Holmes has to go on the road I was like you guys gotta be kidding me like you think that's <laughs> that's the thing that's gonna beat him like oh my god a road game like that's the thing so that was funny to me and then the Ravens I was just like look it, you you guys can't actually be saying Patrick Mahomes is the one that has to prove it in this matchup, can you? Like, I love Lamar Jackson, but this is not a Patrick Mahomes prove-it game. If anyone in this matchup is, I haven't seen you do it, it's Lamar Jackson. And this is like we said, it doesn't make him any worse or better of a, this is not a knock, this is not a legacy, but this is these are just the facts. In the playoffs, the, Patrick Mahomes has lost once or twice, he's won 17 or 18 times. Lamar Jackson's one and or two, like two and four, or one, two and five, whatever it is. So it's just like that matchup to me, and I know it's the, the full team, but I just thought the Chiefs' defense is certainly good enough to make the Ravens' offense struggle. And at that point, if you're going just like dual quarterback duel, I'm never picking anyone over Patrick Holmes. I don't care who yeah. you are. I've yet to right. see the person who would be the person I'm taking in that battle. So, uh, yeah, just moving forward, I, I think, look, 49ers, I respect how they're built. We can have a Shanahan conversation. I, a lot of teams would take a coach that would give them these double-digit leads in these Super Bowls. Like, I know that for a fact. But we could also have a conversation about why can't you keep This is these, the third one. Why can't you keep the – well, I will if only – include pin, Atlanta? I will only – I don't pin Atlanta on him because okay. that one is like, you're not the coach. Like, I – 
if 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 he's out there calling pass play, pass play, pass play, pass play, because he's forgiving, it's a big like because that's just how he wants to do it, and he's just he's he's just black like for whatever reason. Arthur, yeah, Arthur Smith needs to be like, yeah, we're not doing that because he's the head coach, so he could very easily override that and be like, nope, uh, or not Arthur Smith, uh, Dan Quinn at the time, sorry, like that 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 falls on the head coach in that situation, but. It's the second time with this 49ers team as head coach that he has done it in the Super Bowl. Now, it's the same team. Um, and I think you could be less critical last time than you can this time. I think there's more to be critical of maybe how the game was managed, particularly once you're in overtime, fourth and three, and you're kicking a field goal. Mm-hmm. That, to me, Against, like we could throw when, out. With, yeah. Looking at the other sideline. Correct. Throw out every other decision because people are like, why wouldn't he kick the ball in that situation so you get it knowing what you need? And I can, al- I can almost make the argument that maybe they would rather put the defense on the field knowing they need to make a stop to win the game after a rest, right, with their offense being on the field at the defense rest, than they would feel – Almost because it seems like they're like, we can't stop, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. They're going to go down the field. So we'd rather it be Brock Purdy, like, you could settle for a field goal or go get us a touchdown, as opposed to Brock Purdy, you got to go get us a touchdown and possibly two points because the Chiefs said they're going for two. Um, so I, I, I'm more critical of this game just because, like, overtime, fourth down on the nine yard line three yards every like uh, except for a couple all your runs have been four yards or more um you got gadget plays galore you got Debo out there thugging it out trying to finish Brandon Ayuk hasn't been covered all game felt like George Kittle never really got the ball they did a pretty good job defensively there but that decision to kick the field goal to me was the biggest, it's the most just egregious. like, yeah, it's the it's the most egregious because you are basically saying, and I, you know, okay, you trust your defense, but it's three, you you settle for a field goal, so you're 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 trusting your defense. So what? Keep them on the other side of the fifty, like that's just not even realistic, right? Just Harrison Bucker has been kicking the ball from sixty lights out like like it it didn't really matter if you're just talking field goal range so at that point to me if you're just like we'll we'll get three and then like we'll 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 give them the ball back and we'll either stop them or hold them to a field goal it's like we'll that we just gonna okay and then and then we'll run it back again like you clearly that was the moment like you gotta go for it like you gotta go for it and yeah, okay, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, yeah, but, I think it's one situation where it's like if, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna lose, but exactly, how do I want to? How do I want to lose? Right, like do I want to lose just watching Patrick Mahomes bleed me to death, just sitting there watching like can't do anything about this or third and six? Ah, just kidding. Right, or oh, do I want to ah, go? Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. or do I want to go for it on fourth and three? We didn't get it. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, we didn't, they stopped us. And now they have to go down. Like, you, I, per, I feel like you live with that, right? You live with like the failure of we didn't get it because you need the, the points. The, the three wasn't good enough there. Um, yeah. And I don't fully agree, like, with this in practice necessarily, but I do respect 
what Dan Campbell did because he's like, this is the way we play. This is the way I play. Right. I'm going to lose my way. Yeah. And we did say, and now what we did say last about the Dan Campbell was just like, while that was true, and I think we were both aligned here, it's a, it's a tool, right? The, The analytics are a tool. And the probability and all that is a tool. You have a utility belt. There's many tools on it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. those data points are tools. Um, and not every you know job calls for every tool. And so there's a time where you use, like, you, you, you are fed the information. And you then have to decide... A human instinct feel situation like there's there there is more than just a probability play at at a, at some point so i feel like yes i'm not because i'm never going to be consistent with always go always don't go it's all about situation right the dan campbell situation to me in that in, in his situation was if you want to take the po- it was a clock management situation and also like if you want to take the points in that situation when you're up and everything you're doing is working and you're playing a team that doesn't play as well from behind, I say get as many points as you can. Granted, the field goal is not guarantee, but that you know, that was just that situation. This situation was you're about to get the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't settle for a field goal personally. So it's just situations. Um, yeah, I think Kyle is a, is a brilliant offensive mind. He's he's proving that that that's not in question. What is becoming a pattern for me is some of the game management decisions. Like there were a few moments last night where I was like, "Why aren't they running the football?" He well, I was gonna say the biggest decision or lack thereof for me was his abandoning of the run. Um, obviously, they and that's a pattern now. It is. Um, it, it's and I've heard it described as like the more he sees and it's this is the mind of like this is kind of the Mike Shanahan mind too of everything he shows you is a setup for another thing. And so he they the the Shanahan's very rarely like to keep giving you the same thing. They want to give you stuff that looks similar to what you just saw, but has this backside or has this twist to it, because that's the the genius of of the offense is making it look like the thing that you just saw, but now we're playing off of that, whether it's the play action or their run game. Yeah, the Chiefs do the same well, thing, which is and, why that that game winning touchdown throw was brilliant because they were setting that up all game. Yeah, and and part of that's part of the chess match of, of football is you got is setting stuff up and having counters. But the other part of the chess match is your bread and butter is your bread and butter for a reason. And the the not like to avoid the fear of going back to the stuff that works because you think they've adjusted to it. And, oh, we hit them with this run play, with this gap scheme. We can't go back to it because they're going to have it, you know, gapped up next time. They're going to scheme. They're going to plan up for it. Make them show you that. I think is kind of the it's the same thing that we saw with the Ravens or that people who are critical of the Ravens of they seem to be having success running the ball. The Chiefs obviously were were committing a lot of help to stopping a run, but it's almost like you're bailing them out by and I'll I'll use a basketball 
kind of analogy of when a guy with five fouls is guarding you, don't take the jumper. Right? Don't set up for yeah. Take him down low. Take him to the hole. Make him have to play defense. Make him get that six foul. Football stand, like terminology. Make the team. Okay, they stopped you on on on. You know, and I, I get wanting to stay on schedule, but it would just seem like on second and shorts or even on first downs they would come out and pass. And it's just like, why not just Christian McCaffrey? Like it's working really well. Almost every time he he's get, these run plays are working. You're getting five, six, and you're keeping Mahomes and them off the field. It was the thing that was working for them in the first half. Um, so yeah, you can definitely be critical. Yeah, of that's his, that's, his... that's the flip side of this because there's, there's a the basketball analogy I was thinking about as well was okay on the other side you have somebody with five fouls and I'm thinking about um, I think it was game six or game seven last year Kings Warriors. Steph has five fouls. Yeah, yeah. And because Steph has five fouls, you are so focused on getting him to pick up his six fouls that you get out of rhythm. You, yeah, you're you're messing up the flow of your offense, just hunting whoever Steph is guarding as opposed to just run offense. So, yeah, I think there's that. I also wonder how much the narrative thing gets involved. If I had a question about that with Lamar. How much – like, I, I felt like – and, again, there's no way for me to know this, but – is Lamar's in the back of his mind? He's like, I need to win being a pocket passer. Yes. So I'm not running anymore, even yeah. though like that's right here for me. Yeah. Like, I wonder how much of that gets into play callers' heads and the players' heads. Yeah. Because that's the only way I can explain you not running the football. Gotcha yeah. I think there's some of that, and I definitely with Lamar in terms of him just not taking off and realizing like sometimes the best play is especially when you've had it and you're in the pocket for three or four seconds and and you haven't seen anything there to hit at that point the best thing that could happen is you deciding that you're going to take off like honestly go get six yards like and no man yeah it's like whatever direction you decide to go whatever like take off hit it 100 like hit it and just play like do what you do at that point it's just like the x's and o's the best part about you lamar is once what we drew up on this board doesn't work is you're the most talented person on the field that just like go football, like just go uh -huh. ahead and play football. Go make it happen. So yep. yeah, that I think that's a really good point, and I think the the Shanahan thing, maybe it is 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 he in his own head about, and at, but at this point it's like if he was, wouldn't he have been like overly running it? Because the lat like the whole thing is you get these big leads. And 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 you're not managing the clock right. You're not leaning on the run. Why do you abandon the run when it's working? So wouldn't he be in his head like, and he'd be running it too much? Because like, why? I don't that, or is he just like the this? Don't I don't want to fall for this? Like, oh, we have a lead when it's really only ten points, or or it's not really a big lead. We got to keep running it up. I want to get aggressive with my play calling still because the whole third quarter they they wasted. I mean almost all of it right like and and it was a lot of passes it was a lot of like the you know, purdy dropping back the amount of times purdy dropped back in the third quarter i was like this is uh maybe the narrative there is is he trying to prove like purdy's not just 
like this guy who I stuck in my system. That's what really, I think. He is. could really do more. And like, we want to, we don't want to just win this game. We want Brock Purdy MVP. And like, because there is, there are people that thinks like Shanahan's desire to take the quarterback that you don't think is as talented as others. And, and I'll show you, like, I'll do it with, with cousins. Yes. I'll do it with Garoppolo. Yes. I'll, I'll make Matt Ryan an MVP. And I and like I can make the the literal That's last pick in the draft. I can make him the reason. Like like I can do what no one else can do and make this guy like lead us to victory. And maybe there was some of that, right? Like I I definitely think there was some like that was a thought throughout the week. But I just find it hard to believe that once you are in game and things are unfolding and things are happening and the Chiefs are coming back and. And like when all that's going on, I if you are then still in your head, like, like at all thinking about any of that stuff, then that's a problem. I think it's some of that like smartest guy in the room thing. Like I'm mm -hmm. such a brilliant play call. I'm just gonna run my stuff mm -hmm. because I can just run my stuff. Because I'm sitting here like during the season, y'all would toss sweep halfback yeah, dive that, that and off tackle. <laughs> Yeah, that off tackle when you're up ten points with Christian McCaffrey really was hard to stop. So I just I do not understand the the reluctance to do that. Yeah, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle. Um, you could have nickel and dimed Kansas City to death, and yet we're running deep posts down the middle and like stuff that I feel like was unnecessary. Is that and maybe you like he yeah, looked at you like, but like. Is 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 that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Does he just get like? I don't too... understand. I don't understand it. Does he get too excited about like I have so many weapons? Like, is it over? Does he analysis by or, or paralysis by over analysis? Right. Like, I've I have too many weapons. Like, instead of just just get one of them, right? Or just like whatever the matchup is. Does he just like no? I got to get Kittle, and then I got to make sure Christian. But I got to get my Debo, and I got as opposed and like they do. I am a believer in you call players, not plays, especially at a certain point. Once you're in second half adjustment time, you need to just be dialing up your best players to win matchups. Um, but it's pretty simple when your best player, arguably, like not arguably, your best player is a running back. It's the easiest person to get the ball to. You just turn around and hand it to him. Uh, you could even get fancy because he's one of the best receivers to, or best you know, receivers to ever play running back. You can even throw them short passes, like you said, the bubbles, the screens. Um, even their trick and play, really e even the trick play in which they scored a touchdown on, that almost was an interception for a touchdown for the Chiefs. Yes. The, the, yes. the chip that I forget who the tackle was, who got just enough of a shoulder on Ladarius Sneed, like just enough, because Sneed's like, okay, interesting. A not quarterback is about to throw this ball the length of the field, huh? Like he's he is running right to he's about to step right in front of McCaffrey and pick this thing off. And the tackle gets just a shoulder on him that knocks him off just enough that McCaffrey gets a clean look. And then the alley opens up because Sneed, instead of playing to contain the alley, was going for the for the pick before he got knocked off. So like even that play. I, when he did that, like as soon as Juwan Jennings threw it back, I was like, what are you doing? Just like, just because yes, it could work, but also why do you feel that you need to do that right there in that situation? Like, 
every your regular plays are working just fine. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe you're onto something with just like is Shanahan's desire to show you and just like to he is already called this offensive genius because he is, but is does he need even more to be like praised for the reason that they win for it? And is it the reason why it seems now the 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 the, the Garoppolo Super Bowl, if Garoppolo was just a little bit more accurate and completes a pass, different conversation. This one seemed more like you said. The play calling, the avoiding the run, um, the decision making with the with the clock, and the not knowing the timeout rules and the deciding to kick a field goal, just like there there was a lot of just like, you know, it's it's it doesn't make him any less similar to Lamar Jackson in this case to me for me at least it doesn't make him any less good of a coach, but it is absolutely the same way with Lamar Jackson. What we need to work on with Lamar is identifying those moments where you just need to be Lamar Jackson and stop trying to work within the framework of the offense. Cause sometimes it won't be there. You just need to make a play. If All that's right. like, if that's the thing for Lamar, the thing with Kyle Shanahan is just be okay doing the basic thing sometimes like just be okay doing with, and maybe he's like, no, like anybody could just call like off tackle left here. Like that's, that's too simple. That's, they would see that coming. <laughs> Like Paul hit him Howard. with the hit him with the reverse sweep, right? Like all he needs to learn how to do is just be like, hey, don't do that. Like just just keep running what works until it doesn't work. And then because you have so many things, when what has been working stops working, then you change it up. Then you mix but it up. Yeah. He preemptively like goes away from stuff that has been working before the other team makes an adjustment to where the other team's just like well, I'm glad he stopped calling that because we uh, okay. Had, I guess they're we, done with this. <laughs> we had not figured out how to stop it, so thankfully they're not calling that one anymore. Um, so yeah, uh, it 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 bears uh, it bears monitoring. You know, like the 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 whole Trey Lance element of it too, of just like that being the answer at quarterback, trading for him, and then being wrong there. And and now being back with another guy who is just like oh a guy who no one thinks is good huh I feel I feel right back at home um, so I don't know it, it's um, part because part of the conspiracy theory is Trey Lance it wasn't that he wasn't good it was that if if Shanahan unlocked Trey Lance then Trey Lance would be the reason why they were winning not Shanahan and Shanahan didn't want that so. He sabotaged the whole thing. That was the conspiracy theory behind people who just think Shanahan's all about Shanahan. Um, but I don't know. I, I look, I think the, the 49ers will have, that's the thing. I think they'll have another opportunity at this. I don't, it, it's, it, it's not like they can't win. They obviously can. Um, They, it's just it like, it, it's rare that you could look and be like, it really does just come down to some decisions here. I mean, a turnover here or there, yes. But it really just does come down to like, you know, a couple play calls differently. Uh, you're the more talented team. Uh, like, you can do it. It's just, you know, some things have to be addressed first is all. Yeah, I mean, this is... And this is back to, you know, what we're talking about with sports all the time, which is the season's really only a success for one team at the end of the day. 
Yeah. So Chiefs went out. They actually didn't have a great season, but they they're champs. Um, and the 49ers, they have a lot to build on, but you also have to wonder, again, with all these teams, can they keep this core together? Yeah. And how long are they going to play at this level? Yeah, the, the 49ers gets interesting because their whole strategy so far has been, and there's a, the, the twist to this is, again, they've got some compensatory, compensatory picks from Mike Sala being hired, from um, D'Amico Ryans getting hired away. Like, they have, they've received draft capital from this. But they've also traded a lot of draft picks away to get um, Christian McCaffrey and to get Chase Young. Um, so they're, it's going to be hard for them to – they're going to have to nail draft picks, which they've done pretty good at so far. But they're going to have to really nail draft picks. Um, and they're going to kind of have to continue to go all in because once kind of the McCaffrey window runs out and then two or three years from now, once Brock Purdy is no longer making less than a million dollars a year, which is insane, mm-hmm. um, once that changes, then you know, the whole cap situation becomes a lot more difficult. So these next two years, the 49ers, I would imagine you're going to just see them go even further in. They'll trade more draft capital, whatever. Because um, I think their thing is we have to build the strongest team possible. D-line, O-line, receivers, backers, corner, like get more depth at running back, um, like build every like give Brock Purdy as many options. He's got already got all the options. Give him even more options. Assume Brock Purdy gets, you know, a little bit better improving in an offense. But they got really like a two-year window here where they they gotta make it happen. And I think they can, but I I, I actually think that the NFC at the top will be a little bit more competitive maybe than the AFC at the top just because I you know I think the gap between the Chiefs and the next team, you know, Ravens, Bills, whichever, I think is a little bit bigger than the gap between, you know, where the 49ers are, where the Eagles could be. They need a you know, they need help, but I don't think they're far off. Um Green Bay looked pretty damn good in a year where they were Yeah, Green Bay has a bright future, I think. Figuring things out. So Green Bay will I think the Lions go away, but that doesn't mean that they do. So they obviously won that division. Um, well, that was the other thing, too, that we, we didn't Ram, talk about as Ram. much. I mean, the Lions and the and the um, Packers the, both had the 49ers beat. Yeah, no, I meant, I did mention. Like, I, I, I mentioned, because um, I was saying, like, the I, I think the 49ers should be the favorites for next year. I realize that they almost lost both games, yeah. but like I, I still look at them as the favorite. Like I look at them as a yeah. cut above, just just on paper, right? Just why we sure. play the game. Sure. Um, but yeah, like the you know the Lions will like have earned the right to be in this conversation. We'll see what they look like next year. Um, Packers, same thing. Look like they have a bright future. I guess we just don't have to take the Cowboys seriously. Um, like I guess they've done that to themselves to where like these twelve win seasons have to count for something at some point. You have to think that they're gonna 
win do a something game. that they'll do something right? with them. <laughs> like they they have to win a playoff game. It's just like this year felt the furthest that it's ever been from it. Too that was the worst part. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess yeah. I I look at I look at the 49ers as they're you know the window certainly not closed. I get like I see why they're the favorites. I wouldn't pick. And it's super early, obviously. But I wouldn't pick anybody to come out of the NFC ahead of them as things stand. But again, I do think this two-year window is going to be really interesting before Purdy's due up, um, before all the draft capital that they've lost starts to really take more of a toll. Um, Trent Williams is up there in age. You know, they got some players that are that are that just age wise you want to capitalize on on where yeah on where everybody's at so um very a, a defensive battle for most of it an exciting finish love um you know love that the game was decided with a Patrick Mahomes like the, the Patrick Mahomes ball in his hand this is how we're yep. going to decide this thing. I love that it came down to that. Yeah. Um, it never felt like as somebody who had money on the Chiefs, at no point was I ever concerned. Just the lead was never big enough, right? The, I was like, the 49ers have held the Chiefs essentially scoreless for more than three quarters of this game, but, or, you know, until things change, but it was just like, but they have not, scored they've not increased the lead it's still seven or ten point games like that's not it's not enough it's almost the same formula as the last time they lost where it's like you you're playing better but you're not up by enough points on the scoreboard that to where you should feel good about things yeah i think momentum is real too especially in sports so um you know if you struggling to move the ball but then that drive before halftime, being able to drive the length of the field and give them some confidence, get them get a feel, I think that that mattered for the second half. Yeah, uh, definitely did. Uh, but overall, fun, fun game. It's a good Super Bowl. Yeah, um, it was a really good Super Bowl. And I think learn think... something new about the overtime rules as well. I I did not know that's how it was done. Yeah. So once they changed it. Um, after Josh Allen lost, that's literally when they changed the both teams get the ball rule. Um, but and the ref, the ref hinted at this, and when it's the playoffs or obviously the Super Bowl, there's there's no tie, so it has to be you know right the, the, the game continues. But at the coin toss, the ref said we're starting a whole new game. Yep, that's the reason why he says that is because. It it is right, like if that that is so. The Chiefs, the Chief, it was clear. Like this is another example of just like what a what a coaching advantage, right? Forty nine players like we had no idea what the rules were. Chiefs players like we knew exactly what the rules were, and we were prepared to go for two uh, in overtime because we knew like the rules, whether we got the ball first or not. Like we had our two point play ready because we wanted to to make them have to score and go for two if they got the ball. Um, but, wasn't like I was like, why is it why is the Chiefs like, like, like why are they taking their why time? Why are they doing what are they doing? Yeah, everyone's like, well, what are they doing? What are they doing? I'm like, 
this is it's brilliant, right? They they'll either score here or they won't, and then we'll just go to the next we'll keep going, quote but the unquote game doesn't quarter. know the game doesn't end. Yeah, but the Yep. the drive doesn't just end because the clock at zeros is still on their drive. So they they had it timed up perfectly, and I think it also like granted the 49ers, the motion got them anyway, um, which I'm surprised after last year's Super Bowl where. The Chiefs, all their touchdowns came off very similar looking motions against the Eagles. The Eagles never figured out how to play it. I'm surprised Great that the design. 49ers had were not extremely prepared for, hey, this you know, goal line type play, this motion, this action. Um in man to like, yes, in man to man, if you're trying to carry the motion, it's really hard. But like at the same time, if a team motions that, there are really easy checks to like account for that. They clearly didn't have it. I think they're also a little confused by the fact that the Chiefs were like not taking a timeout and were just on the ball ready to run a play. Because I did see a couple 49ers looking to the sideline, like, what the hell's going on? They're kicking a field goal. <laughs> What's yeah, happening? like what what is this? What what's what is this? And then they snapped the ball, and I feel like they it's uh, there were a couple defenders that just had to react. It wasn't the defenders involved in the action were all ready. They just didn't, you know, they they were just playing strict man to man. you try to carry a motion across the formation and he bust it back out to the sideline. That's impossible to guard man to man. If you're going to carry the man across the formation. So, um, Not it's enough a great space play. between line of scrimmage and the end zone. Yeah, it, it was, it, it's So unless unguarded. you react quickly, like it's, it's going to be a touchdown. If you, if you're carrying the motion in man to man, because, What they what you need to do it, it it just changes your math of like the, the who's the receiver one who's receiver two who's receiver three when he motions inside you're now treating him either as receiver two or receiver three because he's no longer the most outside man um, but essentially you need like especially down on the goal line that. you can't declare that pre-snap. Like, you have to declare it based on where where the release is. Like, you know, the outside, whoever is responsible for the outside takes whoever comes outside the the next. So it was it was man coverage, but still, like, you, you, you play man based on the leverage of your defense. So the corner doesn't have a strict man. He has the most outside release in this case. So... Uh, it, again, you have to like scheme up and be ready. And that is a lot of communication that has to take place. Um, and they just didn't do it and great play call by the chiefs, but, um, yeah, for a walk-off Best touchdown, teams are the most prepared. yeah, preparation matters. And that was huge. The, the walk-off, you could see for a second, everyone was like, wait, that's it. Is that okay? That's it. That's it. We won. So there was even that moment of like, is that how it really went ends? So there was a lot of confusion. It's funny how players in the moment, sometimes part of being in the moment is not being totally cognizant all the time of every rule, minutia, and detail, um, because sometimes that alertness or awareness of the moment speaks to the gravity of it or, you know, like kind of that just like blissfully unaware of like, like Nicole Hartman said, didn't even realize that it was the winning touchdown at first. Part of that might be why it's just like, it's just instinct. It's just reaction. If you're sitting there the whole time thinking like, this is the winning touchdown, this is the winning touchdown, this is the winning touchdown, Tense you up. know, it might tense up. Right. It might, Yeah. it might not, but it's just like, sometimes that just like, 
you're more nervous as a fan watching the players in those situations. It's not nerves. It's just like we, you've done this over and over and over Muscle and over memory. and over again. Yeah, it's Yeah. just like it's natural. So it was fun, and I'm glad it ended on that. Um, the Austria halftime show, incredible. I would put it up there. You know, I think Prince is the bar that no one will ever top. The 2007 Prince Purple Rain in the rain um, down in, in Miami. I don't think anyone will ever top that. I think Michael Jackson's up there. I think Usher's performance goes up there. I think Beyonce. I think if you're talking about a four or five, I think it's Prince, Michael, Usher, Beyonce. I very much enjoyed the Bruno Mars one. Um, so I would maybe make that the fifth. Uh, but obviously the the G Funk oh the G Funk was great, but um, I could have made some money if I could have found a book to take the opening song, and I could have if I could have bet all the songs he would have played. I was like, with no knowledge, I think I got eight of the he did thirteen songs, something like that. Yeah, it's twelve I got or thirteen eight, or something like that. yeah, I think I had eight or of of the of the twelve, and the It's pretty three good. I did the three I didn't have. Were in my like, I want to hear superstar. There was no way I thought he was gonna play superstar at the Super Bowl. I thought, um, Well, some of the songs weren't his too. um, yeah, the I I wasn't I didn't count the Alicia. You count those? Uh, Okay. yeah, I didn't count. I I only counting his his songs. He did thirteen of his songs, I believe, and so I had eight of those. I did not think he was gonna do superstar, which is problem, which is my favorite. You know, like. As far as B-sides go, Usher song. Uh, Bad Girl. I didn't think he was going to do Bad Girl. Um, and her came out to do the guitar for You Got It Bad and then switched to Bad Girl. That was awesome. Um, and She didn't then... actually play the guitar. She didn't actually pretend to play the guitar very well either. So She it's wasn't neither here really... nor there. You don't think she was really playing? No. She really No, does it was play it the wasn't guitar, a cinch. but I'm, No, I know she does. I would imagine that do... Yeah, for the Super Bowl that they pre-recorded her... playing it Yeah. yeah Nah, but she won't play. There's i know no way. i because i know she can play the guitar i was like well i know she can and that might actually be her recorded playing it so i'm cool with it um Yeah, there's no shade. yeah as I also long as it's know not that a the more live stuff you have, the more things can go wrong. So it's exactly it's also risky. exactly yeah now they 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 most there's plenty of stuff pre-recorded so no no shocker there Um, but he he did a great job. Is every song I wanted to hear, minus um, I don't have it in front of me. It was almost every song I wanted to hear, and I I I realized that I think "Love in This Club." I think that's the my favorite song to ever play at a Super Bowl halftime show. Like of all the songs that anyone has ever done at halftime of a Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure that that's my favorite song that's ever been played. Because that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Period. And, you know, I, I love Prince. I love Purple Rain. I, it's just, I'm not going to pretend like I was alive in the 80s when Purple Rain came out and it's not, it's not the same. When I listen, you know, it's a great song, it's just not the same. I was in the club with Love in This Club came out. When Usher put that song out, so it just it hits differently. So that was probably the greatest song for me to ever play at a Super Bowl halftime show. So I was super satisfied with the song, uh, with the with the Also, show. I wonder how much of it is is uh, jeans versus just being rich.
But folks like Usher, Lionel Richie, they look the same as they did 20 years ago, which is yeah, remarkable to me too. A combination of both. Jeans help. Uh, I mean, money helps. Jeans are good. You need the good yeah. jeans, but money definitely helps. Um, Smokey Robinson too. I was watching a, a Motown documentary, Smokey Robinson. Um, yeah, he's another one where like good jeans help, but money, both of those things help. Because Jay Z uh, looks fifty. Yeah, how old so, he is. so so then there's also like, do you want to, to like put any money into appearing younger? Because not yeah. everyone does, and I'm not here to speak for it. Like me personally, it wouldn't matter how much money I had. I, it's just not something I would ever have interest in doing because, wh like, what am I doing? Like, I'm whatever I look like, it's that's what I, it's what age I am. I mean, I don't, like, I guess I, it's, it sounds very simplistic, but it's just like, what am I, um, like, hiding from, or like, what am I, who am I, like, I, I get it. If you got the money, like good skin and stuff, but there's just yeah, there's well, levels. It matters what it is too. Like how much? How yeah, much what, do you what care level? About your hair? Yeah, to what levels are are you going to? Yeah, it, yeah. Like keeping keeping hair. There's certain things where I totally get it. Keeping hair, um, hair color maybe not being too wrinkled. Like hey, I don't I don't want to I want to judge. But yeah, um, I'm not getting surgery to have abs. Like I'm yeah, it's certain things. It's just like there's lines that we're <laughs> that 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 we're not crossing. Um, you know, they have access to some great, you know, whether it's vitamins, <laughs> regimens, whatever, whatever the things and are. Just, yeah, and surgery. It's just, but just like so certain get surgery. Yeah, there's a line. Surgery is definitely. I'll probably even draw a line before surgery, depending on how long the whatever regimen or routine. Certain things like you know, you have to come back and see this person to get these shots in your face every day. Like nope, nope, uh -huh. that's too much. That's too yeah, much. No, that's too much. That. And then if you don't do it, your face looks worse. And it so this is like nah, like Botox never. Just because like that just seems like once you do it, you can't stop doing it. And if you stop, you look worse than you did before. It's a great, great scheme actually as a business. Yeah, yeah. We get to it because I was gonna say we talked. I mean, we'll we'll have plenty of time to speculate about how New Orleans does their halftime show. Like Jay Z should start thinking about that now, All right? Because there's a there's there's just a lot of ways it could go. I do think we need five hundred four, Hot Boy, No Limit. Like, can that, you even play that, any of that during the Super Bowl? That I think so. I think I think Dre opened the door to yeah, I guess. We're we're do like I think Snoop Dogg Crip walking on top of the fake of of the of the projects South Central like I think I think that kicked the door open I think we're there now but we'll see um so that that's a different I saw Manny Fresh and and Juvenile do uh do the 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 Pelicans game but that that's very insular to New Orleans right yep like the whole world's not watching that and that's that also probably is very regular for New Orleans. When the whole world's watching, are they going to be okay with that? I don't know. I mean, maybe Tiny Desk and Juvenile. Maybe he changed it. Maybe, maybe it's different now. Maybe, maybe the world's different. Maybe Jay Z gives them the green. There'll heart. be some betting and approval for sure. Yeah, but if Master P doesn't roll up on a tank at some point in next year's Super Bowl, it's a failure of a Super Bowl. Let's just let's be clear on that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get our one college football topic on. The SEC and Big Ten are not merging. Do not call it a merger. They have formed a joint committee, not a merger, 
This is not a merger. Um, and the goal, and this is a direct quote from them, the goal of said committee is to take a leadership role in the future of college sports. Which is extremely because hard. none exists. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm like there's a giant vacuum They're filling the leadership void. They are that filling the giant vacuum in leadership that is college football. So I'm here for that. I'm here for some. Well, let me say this: I'm here for someone filling the void of leadership. I'm not sure how this will go, and if I will be pro these people, but uh, there is a void in leadership, and something had to change so let's start there um what were your initial thoughts just when you saw this headline what were your initial thoughts because it kind of almost felt like deja vu yeah i mean for me it was inevitable um i think there's the right set of circumstances for this one like you just said the leadership void that currently exists around college athletics and now we have the existence of these super conferences that have the best teams generate the most revenue. Um, they have significant power now. So it makes sense that they are finding ways now to wield it. Yeah. Because what is clear to me, especially from the football perspective is that what is good for all of us, isn't also good for some of us. Mm -hmm. And so what we're increasingly going to see are, um, Folks who actually generate the revenue making decisions about how this goes. Yep. And looking out more for their interest and less for um, the other schools who have just fundamentally different considerations because they don't, they're not in the, the big money football game. Yeah. That is what I saw this as. When I saw this, I was like, okay, like we can, there's a lot to talk about here, but we could cut straight through to the heart of it, which is, the power in the room is going to decide how this goes moving forward. No more of this, you know, reacting or letting the NCAA dictate or we'll just wait and see. Like, the power in the room said, all right, like, enough. This is this is a billion-dollar business with no CEOs and no presidents and no treasure. This is, this is ridiculous. We're the two most powerful conferences. We have the best television deals. We generate the most revenue. And essentially, I don't know when, but basically I feel like they are meeting to bust down the remainder of these schools that are gonna join these conferences, figure out who goes where, how it all works financially, like you said, the revenue, the high revenue earners are going to figure out how to earn their share of the pie. And I don't, I'm not, this isn't a succeeding from the NCAA thing, even though like, even if they were not going yet. to, yeah, it, they, I was like, they, they wanted to make it very clear that they still want to work with and believe in, because that's definitely what you say right now when you're doing this. Um, so this, this, right now, this thing isn't to directly succeed from the NCAA, but I'll be damned if this isn't a huge domino falling in what essentially leads to, at least from the football standpoint, the reshaping of the model of college 
football, right? Where the transfer portal, the NIL eligibilities and rules and all these things that right now the NCAA is fighting courts and tooth and nails and all these things are going to be collectively bargained. They're going to be agreed to. It's going to be in writing. It's not, you know, it's 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 going to be run like um i don't even want to say pro-am because i just dropped the amateur this is the first domino in moving to a model that looks more like a professional model and less like a amateur collegiate model this is another domino in that chain this is not seceding from the ncaa but at the same time, if they were to see from the NCAA, this is how it would start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why they said over and over again, this is not a merger. Don't say merger. Don't even think about merger. This is not a merger. Uh, it's why they said this is not to succeed from the NCAA and we believe in them and we want to work with them. All that. Uh, the NCAA has got its own and maybe that'll be our next episode. We keep talking about it. But the NCAA has got its own set of problems. Um, they are again fighting no less than four antitrust lawsuits, no less than nine just general class action lawsuits, including some of those antitrust. So they got their own issues. Um, we got they, you know, they 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 dropped uh, or are going to, I guess, investigating Tennessee, this whole Tennessee booster situation, right? Like they they try to set an example of Florida State, the Tennessee collective essentially was like very loud about making sure these recruits get money. Um, and, you know, the NCAA is now coming in as they often do super late and way after stuff has already happened and trying to figure out what's going on and wait a minute, should people not be eligible? And it's just, again, it's the void of leadership. It's, it's the reactionary nature of the NCAA. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And anything that leads to, them, you know, having to drastically change and accept these people as employees and a union and collectively bargain things with them, uh, I'm here for. So, like you said, this isn't them succeeding from the NCAA yet, but these are the steps that would happen before such thing were to take place. So just it bears and my, my bet monitoring. is NCAA is gonna gonna stop this or their hands going to be forced. So I think what's going to end up happening is their hands going to be forced. They're going to start making rules and enforcing them that these member schools don't like and don't accept. And then it's going to be a standstill. Mm -hmm. So they'll come after a Tennessee or even like an Alabama or Georgia with something. We're going to reduce your scholarships. They're going to be like, actually, no, you're not. Yeah. We're just not going to, because this is all contingent upon an agreement of hierarchy. It's, yeah, it's contingent this is on all the, made up. It's, it's all contingent upon the schools just, uh, in. Uh, 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 yes, agreeing to abide by what the NCAA says. <laughs> that could all stop, right? What, and it's again, this gets into the lawsuits and, and then, and, and, and what the, what's best for the NCAA. But at this point, they, 
it's either change themselves or be changed, right? Yep. Like, so a part like be, be changed by the courts or change yourself. And so um, it it's going to be a case of like, we need to change things internally before it's done to us. And yeah, it, it'll, it'll have an impact on, you know, NIL. It'll have an impact on, yeah, I want to see what the ACC uh, thinks about all this. Like, mm -hmm. they, they, they always felt left out. Now the two big boys are, are teaming up, so to speak. Like, where does this leave them and all this? This is this is very interesting stuff. Because um, you know where this is headed? This is headed to where this this collective reaches out to ESPN mm -hmm. and a back channel, mm -hmm. negotiates a TV deal, mm -hmm. and now the NCAA is cooked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We don't actually need you for anything. We don't need you. That's, that's, this is, this, the, I feel like the final step is the Amazon division versus the Apple division versus the Google division mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. the versus the Walmart division. Like I feel this this all goes to we are selling our rights. The the Big Ten sponsored by you know Ford, the SEC brought to you by Home Depot. Uh, the, the each one will have their broadcasting streaming partner for billions of dollars, and that's yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, that's hitting the fast forward button, but I feel like we're not hitting it that far in advance. Like it's a lot closer to happening. But like, this has been like whispered talk about. Yeah. yeah, this has been the natural, the natural evolution of this exactly, and we've been tracking this for that six, seven, eight years in terms of like the super conference and when do they leave the NCAA and. The power, you know, the 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 revenue driving schools, the football and the basketball. When do they separate themselves from swimming and field hockey and these other sports that have nothing that shouldn't be run the same and shouldn't be tied to each other at all? But then, with that becomes the other's legal precedent with Title IX involved in some of this. So, like the legality of a lot of this is where the minutia and like kind of the action is going to be. A lot of it's going to be in the courts. Um, and this will but, never happen, but you could also argue to separate all of this from school entirely. Yeah, which I, I mean, would make the most sense. That's the final frontier of just like you know what? This is a professional sport. This is a league now. This is the USFL. Mm. Just it, it just it is. Um, which yeah, you 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 threaten. I think again, people were afraid, and maybe we'll wrap it here. But people were afraid um, that, or at least, oh, afraid. That when you took the amateurism out of college sports that it would go away when they failed to prove this is the ncaa now this is what they're in court over when the ncaa failed to prove that amateurism was key to their business they failed to now prove why they aren't violating antitrust rules and why these aren't employees and why they shouldn't have benefits and representate like it gets into that whole uh, like the you know, area or that that whole discussion yes. and employees you're now violating u.s labor law right and so like that's and and why they were why they had skirted antitrust laws this whole time was because that that word amateurism but once nil came into play and they lost unanimously in the courts that nil had to be you know needed to be allowed 
and was unconstitutional to not allow it, right? Once once NIL came in, amateurism goes away, the numbers skyrocket, the TV ratings skyrocket, everyone's watching, the deals are going through the roof. So you can't say once the kids started getting money, our business fell and collapsed because the opposite happened. Numbers keep going up. So now you're in violation of antitrust laws. So now we need to we need to talk. These are employees. They need they need they need benefits. They need benefits. That's a lot of people with benefits. The NCAA, mm-hmm. it's the biggest thing they feared this they whole time. They need to be able is, to organize and collectively yeah, bargain. Collected the those are the two biggest things they feared this whole time is paying benefits to all these students and collectively bargaining as opposed to just like, oh, we don't get to just tell them what to do anymore and they just have to do it. You mean this actually has to get agreed to? That sucks. And we have to share the money with them from these television de- Oh, that's that's the worst. So, like, this has been their Because biggest... y'all are doing so much for this money. Yeah, this has been their biggest fear <laughs> the whole time is that all this money that's been built off the backs of the students and the, or the, you know, the athletes who were not being paid, that all that money would have to eventually, like, you know, go to them. That's what a crazy concept. But, um... That's where we're at, and we're getting closer to it. And every day that we move closer to the NCAA, either less powerful, I mean, they already are, less powerful or just going away, uh, the happier I am. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, agreed. I'm cool with it. All right, we'll holler at y'all next week. Peace.